semester um, at worship, we have been focusing on um, what it means to truly follow Jesus um, and not just, um, as some people would say, like the Sunday school answers, but really like digging in deep um, to what it means to really um, follow Christ. Um, Terry talked about not missing the point. Um, he also talked about Peter walking on water and how um, Peter got out of the boat and walked on the water towards Jesus and how that was a really big deal. So tonight, I am going to be talking about a story that is found in three of the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, um, but I chose the Luke story, um, and it's about a rich man. Um, so it's going to come up on the screen, hopefully, um, and it is in Luke chapter 18, verse 18 through 23 is where we're going to start out, and yes, my Bible is a filing cabinet, so if you want to stay locked in, you can. Um, Luke 18, verse 18. Um, and I don't know, it was coming. Um, and a ruler asked him, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? I feel like I'm spitting. And Jesus said to him, why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. And you know the commandments. Uh, do not commit adultery. Do not murder. Do not steal. Do not bear false witness. Honor your father and mother. And he said, all these I have kept from my youth. When Jesus heard this, he said to him, one thing you still lack. Sell all that you have and distribute to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven, and come follow me. But when he heard these things, he became very sad, for he was extremely rich. So, um, in Luke, um, this guy, um, he doesn't have a name, he's just known as the rich ruler. Uh, Matthew says he's young, and Mark puts them both together and says he's a rich young ruler. Um, so, this rich young ruler, that's a tongue twister, asked Jesus, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Um, this wasn't a trick question. This wasn't, um, he wasn't trying to, like, make Jesus stumble or try to, like, um, trick him. He wasn't, um, simply asking about, like, what's going to happen to me when I die? Like, am I going to be able to go to heaven? But he was asking about this new age to come. Uh, this whole phrase, kingdom of heaven coming, God's power coming to transform everything, coming to bring the whole creation into a new state of being, a new life in which evil and death will be done away with. And if you keep going in the scripture, Jesus says some of the commandments. He doesn't list all of them. He just says, do not commit adultery, do not murder, do not steal, do not bear false witness, honor your father and mother. And the rich young ruler um, says, I've kept all of those since I was a boy. Uh, maybe the rich ruler was trying to, like, impress Jesus of saying, like, look at me. I'm, like, have this clean moral slate. Like, I've kept all the, like, well-known commandments. But the rest of his conver this conversation between Jesus and the ruler and the disciples that were there, let us see the heart of what is really going on um, as Jesus is approaching Jerusalem. So Jesus replies, one thing you still lack. Sell all that you have and distribute to the poor, and you will have the treasures in heaven, and come follow me. This was a huge plot twist, like huge. Like up until this point, the religious people back then just knew that it was about following the rules. They knew about the Ten Commandments. They knew like you couldn't eat certain things on certain days, and you couldn't eat um, from like a splitted hoof from the animal and all that stuff. And so like up until this point, it was very like legalistic, like this is what you have to do in order to um, get into heaven or to, to come into this new age. And he's saying something completely different, like sell everything you have, give it away to the poor, and come follow me. Um, and so 
Jesus was not offering simply another set of rules. He wasn't um, looking for like legal interpretations. The basic demand is not some logic chopping, extra observance, um, let me clarify or tighten that definition a little better or let me sharpen what that really means. No, Um, Jesus' challenge was at a completely different level. Both of them know, both the rich ruler and Jesus both knew that like this conversation had to go to a different ground. It wasn't just about keeping the commandments. Um, And this is where the plot twist um, where Jesus approaches differs from anything that they expected him to say. Um, But without more complex legal instructions, he has the simplest command, sell up, give everything, give it all away and follow me. In Matthew, he talks about, um, Jesus puts it in a way of like, if you want to complete this set, because it's almost as though this rich young ruler is like collecting these commands that he's keeping. Like he's like, like he collects rocks or coins or I don't know, Pokemon cards Um, (laughs) or those little silly bands. We were talking about that this week, silly bands. Where did they go? Um, He was saying, if you want to be complete, like if you want to complete this whole set that you're going, um, totally dedicate um, yourself to what God thinks is complete. Um, And that's totally dedicating his service, not... Half, not being half and half people with one foot in the kingdom and the other foot in the world. Jesus is bringing something into the present. Evil and death, to be sure, is going to be around. It's still around now. Um, but um, where Jesus is right now, um, he was bringing in this whole like new age concept. He was bringing in this new kingdom. He was bringing heaven to earth in these little bitty glimpses that one day will fully come But in this instance, it's like a little shimmer of what it could be. Um, And it's breaking through. Um, And so he was saying, like, God's kingdom is active. And through him, the life of the new age could begin to be seen. This new movement through Jesus um, is a radical twist on what it meant to be God's people. Because, like I said, up until this point, it was about keeping rules and following certain procedures and making sure you washed your hands right and your feet were washed and all this stuff. And so he completely flipped everything up into this point that was said. Um, So Jesus is saying here to the rich ruler, in order to be complete, you must be empty. In order to have everything, you must have nothing. And in order to be fully signed up to God's service, you must be signed off from everything else. So here's this rich young ruler with his hands full And Jesus is saying to be complete, to sign up to this movement, you need to let it all go. But the rich young ruler couldn't, um, and he left sad because he was really rich. He had all these things. He's like, I don't want to let go of my financial stability or, like, this extra plethora of things that I have. Like, I'm comfortable right here. I'm just going to walk away sad. Um, He didn't want to loosen his grip on his stuff. Um, he didn't want to leave him behind, he couldn't be free, he wouldn't be free to join this kingdom movement to march into God's future that Jesus was leading. So, there's this story of like how to catch a monkey really well. Um, No, this part isn't in the Bible, but um, (laughs) I don't want to catch a monkey, um, nor have I ever seen this trick done, but there's a story about how to catch a monkey really well. I had a video, but it was, like, super corny and cheesy, and I was like, I'm not going to show this. I'm just going to explain it. So, how to catch a monkey. 
you find a jar. Yes, I know this is a vase, but just walk with me here. Just imagine this is a jar. It's like a jar, it's a vase. Okay, so you find a vase, and obviously you have to find a monkey, so we're going to say there's a monkey. Um, so you put something in this jar that the monkey wants. Monkeys like fruit, so I hear. Um, so you put it in the jar, and it doesn't matter what you do with the jar. You could hide the jar, you could leave it out in the open, you could put it off to the side, it doesn't matter. The monkey sees the jar with the fruit in it, and you walk away. The monkey is probably going to be suspicious at first, because he's like, what in the world is that thing doing leaving this jar of fruit? Like, why didn't he take it for himself? I don't know if monkeys think, but this monkey does. So, <laughs> um, so this monkey comes and eventually walks towards the jar with the fruit in it, and he sticks his hand in it, um, if that's what monkeys have, sure. So, um, or paw, I don't know. Anyways, walk with me here. So he goes to grab the fruit, and then he can't get his hand out because it's stuck. Yeah. So he doesn't want to let go of the fruit in his hand because he's in his head. He's like, I want this that's in here, and I'm going to do everything I can to get this fruit out, but he can't. And so, hence, you can then walk up and catch a monkey. I wouldn't try that. I am not legally bound to any of you trying to catch a monkey. But... So, you're probably wondering, what in the world does this story of a monkey have to do with this rich young ruler? If you put this story of the monkey alongside the rich young ruler, um, the rich young ruler is like the monkey. He's got this money in a jar that he's collected over time. I have money. Look, now it's going to make sense. Yeah, maybe not. Um, so, he has this jar full of his money. Yeah. Yeah, I told you I had some. Okay. Anyways, so he has this. <laughs> those are ones. Okay, back on track. Let's stay focused. Um, so this, yes, this money is in this jar, and the rich young ruler wants to hang on to it, but he can't. Like, he can't break free and keep hold of the money. Um, so what are we clinging to? What are we holding on to that's holding us back? Maybe it's school, or maybe it's a guy or girl, or maybe it's our parents, or maybe it's our future, or to be financially secure. Those are all things that could be holding us back. But I think there are deeper things that we're clenching on to. Maybe it's socially, to be socially acceptable. Maybe um, you are the funniest, or maybe you're the cleverest, or maybe you're... Um, I don't know, the class clown. But you want to be socially acceptable, and maybe that's what you're clinging to. Maybe that's what you're holding on to. Maybe it's pressure to figure things out, um, to have the right major, or to find the right girl, or find the right boy. Or maybe it's pressure from your parents to be a doctor, or be this, or make this, this amount of money. Um, or maybe it's pressure that you're putting on yourself of like, I need to make this much money. I need to have this degree so that I can make this much money and marry this person and have this many kids and have this nice car and have this nice 401k and retirement and yada, yada, yada. Um, or maybe it's fear that God isn't going to take care of us if we're to let go of these things that we're clenching on to. Or maybe it's fear that we're going to choose the wrong thing if we let go of what we're holding on to. Or maybe it's we don't want to give up control because we are completely content. We may not be 
the greatest that we've ever been in our life, but we're at least content with where we're at. And so we're like, we're good holding on to these things that I have right here. I don't want to go any further. Jesus doesn't often seem to have told people to give everything away and follow him. When he did, it was either because of the 12 disciples and he wanted them to completely be free um, and be able to share in his work, or it was like this rich young ruler where he sensed his possessions had become his idol, his alternative God, or the demon that would eventually kill him unless he would let it go. We all have something in our lives like that. It may not be material things, but we all have something in our lives that we're clenching to. So what am I clenching to? What am I holding on to that is holding me back? If you asked me this while I was in college, it would have probably been my future career. Um, if you've been around any time, any over the past six years, you have heard my story. So I'm going to give a little short and sweet to the point. Um, so I decided that um, I wanted to go to a college. Um, I did not go to Auburn University. I went to a small Christian college um, that was great, and it would not have made me who I am, and I would not have made it here. So we're just going to stick with that. So. I decided I was going to go where all my friends were going and that I wanted to go into ministry. And I got there, and it was nothing like I had imagined. It was literally like I was in high school all over again, just different people, different faces, same old crap. So I was like, I don't want to do ministry anymore because I saw how hard it was for girls to be in ministry other than children's ministry. I love kids. I want kids one day, but I do not like whole bunch of other people's kids all in one room and I am supposed to entertain them so I was like I'm not going to be in children's ministry so I'm not going to be in ministry so I'm going to get a degree in business because up until that point I had already taken bible classes and I was like I'm not starting over if I transfer out so I'm just going to stick it with this so that was my future career I was going to major in business I was going to go into this big corporation, do something with finance or something with event planning or something that was just going to make me lots of money, and I was going to be financially stable. So that was one checkbox on my things that I was clenching that I wanted so badly. Um, the next was, obviously, I wanted to be married by I got out of college. I wanted a ring by spring for the senior year of graduation. So... That was like, I am on the hunt. Like, I am on the prowl. I'm going to do whatever it takes. Well, not whatever it takes, but I'm going. <laughs> okay, calm down. I'm going to find someone that I love and that's like trying to do what's right and live for God and all that, blah, 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 blah. So, um, that my freshman and sophomore year, was like me clenching my fist so hard of like, I'm going to be financially stable when I get out of college. I'm going to find a boy to marry um, that wants to marry me too. And life is going to be grand. <laughs> um, so if the boy does not want to marry me, I think it's kidnapping. But, you know, so that is up until my freshman, sophomore year. My junior year, I heard about this thing called Global Scope, which is like campus ministries like this, except internationally. Um, and I was like, ah, that's cool. I've always wanted to be an exchange student. I am somewhat good with Spanish. I will go to Mexico. I went to Mexico, and it completely rocked my world. I had never been a part of a community um, so transparent, so vulnerable, so real in my entire life. 
and it was a Christian community. And I was like, holy, what in the world is this place? Like, they accepted me fully how I was. They loved me so much that they were trying to make me a better person in Christ. Um, all while having fun, like, going dancing, doing all these great things, and, like, meeting all these new people. And so this is where I slowly started to unclench what I had as my future career. I was like, I'm not going to do business. I'm going to try to figure out what it looks like to do campus ministry because that was a new concept to me because I went to a Christian school, so it was like all campus ministry. Anyways, so I started slowly unclenching my fist. And I got back my senior year. I was like, I don't know what the heck this was. Is it only internationally? Figured out it wasn't. Um, And ACF contacted me and said, hey, you you should think about us interning. Um, so I was like, yeah, that sounds cool. If you go back a little bit, I did find a guy that I fell in love with, um, that was really awesome and still is a really awesome guy. But anyway, so I had him, we were talking about marriage, so we're on the right track with him to get married or at least engage somewhat soon after I graduate or while I was still in school. Um, and so I was like, okay, I'll go to ACF for a year. It was only a year. It was only 10 months go to ACF for 10 months, I'll get engaged somewhere in there to this guy that I really love and that loves Jesus and like wants to do these awesome things with his life and wants me to do these awesome things with my life, and it'll be great. Um, I got here, and I slowly started realizing that me and this guy were going in completely opposite directions. Um, he wanted to work at this camp that he fell in love with. I, wanted, I kept falling in love with campus ministry and like staying here at Auburn. Um, and I was like, this isn't going to work. I looked all the way where he was to see if there's any campus ministry near him. There wasn't. Um, and so now with the finan- with the career out of the window, and I'm, my hands are like this with the career, my hands are like this with the boy, and I'm like trying so hard to make it work, and it just isn't. And so finally, I, they offer me a full-time position here after my intern year, and I was like, well, I love it here. I feel like this is where God wants me. I um, am not finding a job anywhere else. I probably applied to like 60 to 100 jobs from December of my intern year until May of my next year, of the next year. And like literally no phone calls back, no emails back, no nothing. And I'm like, is it going into like this black hole where like, or is there something bad on my resume and no one wants to hire me? So I was like, you know what, I'm going to stay at ACF another year. If this guy is going to work out, it's going to work out. And so, like, I'm slowly unclenching my fist from this guy, my future of having a family, of having kids, of, like, being on track of my plan that I somewhat still had. Um, and so slowly over my first year here on staff, um, I was like, you know what, this isn't working. I'm trying too hard. He's trying too hard in this relationship. It's not happening. Um, we said some things we both regret, we poked each other where it hurt, like, it just was awful, we just said mean things, and, um, I was like, you know what, I can't do this anymore, um, if you don't want to move, and I don't want to move, then we are not going to be married two hours away, like, that's not going to work, so, you know what, I can't ask the question, you're going to ask the question of marriage, so, if you're not going to ask that question, then I'm going to stay here where I think God wants me. So, I have completely unclenched my fist from that. Not because it didn't work, but because that's what I felt like God was telling me to do. Like, that is what I was feeling was the next step um, in letting go. And so, 
Um, obviously, I'm still here. Um, and um, I let go of being, this is not a, hey, look at me, there is a point to all of this. So here's my story. I am here six years later. Um, I am not quite, well, I'm two hours away from my family. Sometimes I wish I was longer. They're a mess. That's another day. But um, I love them dearly, but, you know. Um, so I'm here. I am not married. I um, do not make tons of money um, because I decided to work in ministry. Um, I do not have a 401k or retirement plan set up, even though I need to. Yeah, that's what people tell me. I don't see the point of saving. Um, I am paying my student loans shortly, shortly and slowly um, as we go. And so if you would have asked me in college, if you would have asked me my senior year of graduating college, if you would have asked me my first year interning here, my first year on staff, my second year on staff, my third year on staff, then it gets kind of hazy because I can't, all my years flow together. My fourth year on staff, I would have told you that I am completely, in a most humbling way, that I am completely let go of anything that I was holding on to before, and I'm completely and utterly trusting God. Um, about a year ago, my world was completely rocked when I lost my papa, who is one of the closest human beings in my life, and it rocked my world, and it shattered my world. He was in a lot of pain. It's great that he is in heaven now, and he's not suffering anymore here, but it's still hard to lose someone. And so it completely shattered everything um, that I knew as comfortable. It completely shattered anything that I thought um, was going to happen because, mind you, I let go of my fist of not wanting a husband, but I definitely wanted my grandfather at my wedding. So he's not going to be there. Um, and that was a hard realization um, because as a girl in the South, you want to get married and you want to have your family members there um, surrounding you on that day. So anyways, up until my fifth year here, I could have told you my hands were open, not holding on to anything. But if you ask me now, I don't know what I could tell you. It's something I'm still working through. It's something I'm still um, some days battling with. Um, if you look at my life from the outside in, you would be like, oh, well, you're working in ministry. Like, you're not making tons of money, so you're sacrificing that. You're sacrificing um, not worrying about your future with a guy. You're sacrificing not worrying about your financials. You're sacrificing your future. Like, you're doing all these things right. Um, and I would say, yeah, that is true. Like, I am sacrificing all those things. But when you're talking about letting go of these clenched fists, it's not a one-step process. It's not a one-step, you unclench your fist, it's all great. It's a daily process. Sometimes it's an hourly process of letting go of things and saying, you know what, I can't. Um, so if you ask me right now, I don't know what I could tell you. Um, it is up to each of us to examine our own hearts and lives to see what is holding us back from serving um, with the completeness that Jesus is longing for. Um, because to inherit this new life that Jesus was bringing, um, we have to abandon the values of the old and trust him totally to the new. But the story doesn't stop there. There was the rich young ruler who walks away sad, um, and it picks back up on verse 24, which is going to be up there, hopefully. Okay, so 
Jesus, seeing that he had become sad, said, How difficult is it for those who have wealth to enter the kingdom of God? For it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. Those who heard it said, Then who can be saved? But he said, What is impossible with man is possible with God. And Peter said, See, we have left our homes and followed you. And he said to them, Truly I say to you, there is no one who has left house or wife or brothers or parents or children for the sake of the kingdom of God who will not receive many times more in this time and in the age to come eternal life. So, um, the disciples were completely shocked because it's one thing for, the, for them to be there witnessing Jesus telling this young rich ruler, um, that's great, you kept all the commandments, they're important. Um, there's a reason why they're there, um, but you like one thing, you need to sell, sell all your riches, you know, and give it all away. That's one thing for the disciples to hear. Um, and so, so they were completely shocked because at being told that, like, wealth isn't going to buy you into heaven, wealth isn't going to buy you into this new kingdom that Jesus is supposed to be bringing, um, because up until this point, that was what was thought. That God's favorite must be the most blessed with the most riches, the most um, land, the most titles, the most houses, the most like best wardrobe, all these things. Up until this point, people thought the, God's favorite was the ones that were blessed the most. And Jesus is like, no. Jesus uses a huge overstatement of a camel going through the eye of a needle. It's easier than a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. It's like saying you'll get your riches into God's kingdom when you can put the entire ocean in a bottle. Everything Jesus is teaching is inside out and upside down. The point is not that you may try hard enough that you may achieve it. The point is that it's unthinkable. That's the moment when all our humanly calculations and possibilities stop and God's new possibilities start. So we can't figure it out. There's not a formula. There's not even a choreographed dance. There's like nothing like that. We're all called to unclench whatever it is we're holding on to, what we're putting ahead of God, idolizing what we're clenching, though will look different for everyone. It'll look different from the person that's sitting beside you. It'll look different from your siblings. It'll look different from your parents. It'll look different than your best friends. But we're all called to unclench our hands. But Peter took it even a step further because he's like, okay, if this rich man is not going to inherit this whole eternal life thing, um, what about us that, like, gave up everything? Like, what does that mean for us? Um, so Peter said, we've left our homes and followed you. So the disciples didn't just, like, unclench their fist of one thing um, like the young ruler was called to do. They left everything that was behind. Um, and Jesus said, for whoever left everything for the sake of the kingdom of God will receive many more times in this time and in the age to come eternal life. Do not hear what I'm not saying. I'm not saying, because if you look at this passage, it looks as though if I give up things, if I give up everything, then I'm going to get more now, eventually, in this life, and I'm going to get more in the life to come, in the whole heavenly realm. I'm not saying that. I'm not saying if you give it all up, it'll come back even more. So give it up so you can have more. Two things. One, you aren't giving it up for the sake of the kingdom of God. You're giving it up for the sake of the kingdom of you. Two, I'm not the supplier, nor am I the judge. God is. 
and that is way, 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 way above my pay grade, um, to say how much you'll get back if you give everything up, or when you'll get back, or if you get it back. It's not about giving up everything to get more. But what if we are called to give up everything we have known ever for the sake of the kingdom of God? What would that look like? It wouldn't necessarily mean for all of us to sell our possessions and give it all to the poor or to be a missionary. But for some of us, that may be what it is. Maybe it would look like taking pride out of ourselves and putting it into God. Or maybe it's asking some scary questions about your future, like the interns had to do this past year. um, And they had to say, am I going to continue down this path that I have for myself um, and go to grad school or go to this job or um, go to this job? Or am I going to unclench my fist for this year and see what God has in store for me? Um, And this isn't a ploy to get y'all to intern, even though it would be great. It's just an example of asking scary questions. Or maybe it's you asking, am I in the right major? Like, is this where God wants me? Or is this where I want me? Is it because I want to make my paycheck bigger when I graduate so I can pay my student loans off faster? Or is it so I can buy a second home at Lake Martin? Or is it so I can have a second home down in Destin? Um, Or is it what I feel like God wants me to do with my life and better the people around me? Or maybe it's giving up control and fully relying on God. So what would it look like for me if I gave up completely everything that I am comfortable comfortable with right now? To say, okay, God, I'm letting go of everything, my future, my wants, my desires, for the sake of your kingdom. Not for the sake of the kingdom of me or the sake of the kingdom of ACF, but for the sake of the kingdom of you. Um, So maybe that looks like for me staying in Auburn for however long, um, buying a house and saying, you know what, God, I'm in it for the long haul, I'm here. Or maybe it's me... Uh, leaving to go start a campus ministry in a different state or a different city or even a different country. I don't know what it looks like. This is not me saying I'm leaving next year um, or the end of this year. But it takes me unclenching my hand and letting go of everything. Um, It's not about building up. It's not about building my resume. It's not about building your resume. Um, Because everything that Jesus taught with his life, everything that Jesus is saying in this story, is it is completely opposite from everything you've ever known. It's completely opposite from everything that the world's trying to tell you. So what am I clenching and can't let go of? What are you clenching and can't let go of? And what if, like the disciples, you were called to give everything up we've ever known? It's not going to be easy. It never was going to be easy. It doesn't mean that we'll eventually get everything we want or that we desire. Um, It may even come with persecution um, from our friends or from our families or from people that we don't even know. But we're called to let go and stop clenching whatever it is so tightly. So my challenge is this. If you don't know what you're clenching, for you to figure it out. Take one step. Figure out what are you clenching. Maybe it's material possessions, maybe it's clothes, maybe it's labels, maybe it's um, a boy or a girl or your major or your future or your family or whatever. Whatever it is, figure it out, what you're clenching. Um, If you know what you're clenching, then my challenge to you is to let it go. 
Maybe that's like actually talking to God about like, how can I let this go? Or maybe it's we've all been blessed with this awesome community and talking to each other about it. Um, the staff's here for you to talk to it about. Um, join a small group, like do an accountability group, go to lunches, do something um, to figuring out like, okay, I know what I'm clenching, now how do I let it go? Um, so my challenge is to take that step to let it go and unclench your fist.